0: radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 16, recorded on Wednesday, December 2nd from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we discuss the question, is Trump actually a cult leader? But first, the headlines. Fake news. Fake news. Fake, disgusting news. Up first in headlines, Joe Biden won Wisconsin. They certified it. It's over. It's done. There's nothing else to talk about.
1: How did that recount go for Trump?
0: Um, Biden won Milwaukee County by another 132 votes.
1: So not so well then.
0: Money well spent. $3 million well spent. And there's nothing more to talk about. There, there's no recount Lawsuit or anything that we have to talk about because Trump is a decent person who admits defeat when he loses.
1: Time to move on with our lives and look towards the Joe Biden era. No?
0: Nope, you're wrong. We have a lawsuit on our hands. The Trump campaign filed a lawsuit in Wisconsin the day after Governor Tony Evers of Wisconsin certified the election results in Dane and Milwaukee counties, citing more BS. More nonsense, more of the same ridiculous claims of just more false information, I guess you can say. We actually talked about this, I think, a little bit last week, too, didn't we? Or was it the week before? Some of the claims in this lawsuit, I honestly can't remember.
1: I think it was last week, but uh, who knows? So they're looking to throw out every vote in Milwaukee and Dane counties, which is the vast majority of the population of Wisconsin and heavily Democratic majority we need to be specific here, only in Milwaukee and Dane counties. Yeah, they're looking to throw out every vote that was an early in-person vote and anyone that said they were indefinitely confined because that meant you didn't have to get a witness signature and you didn't have to show photo ID. And let me remind everyone, again, this is during a pandemic where really a lot of people were indefinitely confined. If you have any kind of health problems that would cause you to not be able to go out in public, you're indefinitely confined, and your vote does not count, according to Donald Trump.
0: The biggest issue that this lawsuit brings up is the fact, like Jason said before, is the early in-person absentee ballots. The lawsuit brings up, and I'll quote here, Whether absentee ballots issued in person to voters by municipal clerks offices in Milwaukee County and Dane County without the required written application pursuant to Wisconsin Statute um, 686, Section 1, something else. Nobody cares. More legal jargon I don't understand. (laughs) Are illegal and invalid. That's not Wisconsin law. We talked about this last week. You do not need written application for an early in-person vote. No. That's that's never how it worked here.
1: We opened up. A limited number of polling locations, and those were open to anyone that wanted to vote.
0: And the big argument here is that when it comes to asking for an application or a written application for an in person absentee ballot, the idea is once you sign the back of your envelope and the clerk most likely will witness it for you, that is considered the automatic request of that ballot too.
1: And you still did have to show ID for the voter ID law. These are legal votes by real people. This is not some grand conspiracy that everyone all together came up with but we just don't talk about. These were people voting. And because I live in Waukesha and you live in Milwaukee County, if I were to vote that exact same way after if this lawsuit is successful, my vote would count, but
0: mine wouldn't
1: and yours wouldn't.
0: Which is why it's so important to realize this is only for Milwaukee and Dane County because these lawsuits are preposterous. These make no sense at all. And in a perfect society, nope, that's not true. In a normal rational society, this would get thrown out immediately. But we have one of the craziest Supreme Courts or state Supreme Courts in the country. So who knows what's going to happen? Most likely nothing. This is nothing really to be afraid of or to fear. Don't worry about it. If this does actually go through for some idiotic reason, Good God, I, there will be hell to pay. What does this
1: mean for the rest of the races that were on the ballot? It would invalidate everything that was specific to Milwaukee and Dane County.
0: Well, and we talked about before, later on, it brings up, or the lawsuit brings up more issues about indefinitely confined starting in March, or requested in March, which was right before our state Supreme Court election, which would screw up and invalidate those results. So what would this lawsuit even do?
1: Yeah, just the fact that they're only singling out those two counties pretty much, to me, means that this cannot go anywhere. Because there's no way that there should be two sets of rules, one if you live outside of Milwaukee and Dane County, and another if you live in those two counties.
0: But like I said before, this is nothing really to worry
1: about. It's just more noise. It'll be one more on the pile of failed lawsuits from the Trump administration.
0: Like 99.99% Jason's correct. No worries.
1: Moving on to the $908 billion COVID relief bill pushed by a bipartisan group in Congress. So, this is a COVID relief bill that's being pushed as something that can go out before the end of the year, before the end of the Trump administration. It is not adequate in any respect. I don't know if anyone would be really happy with this bill. Well,
0: this is far, far short than what we wanted before. I mean, we have a $2.2 trillion bill passing or passed the House already. That's just sitting and not doing anything about it. So we're this is far below that. Although I will say this is much higher than the $500 billion bill that McConnell and other Senate Republicans put forth earlier that fell flat on its face.
1: Yeah, I can't see them getting really votes from either side. It has... Money going to fund states in there, Democratic states, which Trump doesn't like. So I don't think he would be happy with this. So I can't see the White House getting behind it. And that's like half of the Republican senators. And it includes protection for businesses against COVID related lawsuits, which the Democrats don't support. So I don't, uh, this is like just a nonsense,
0: like hodgepodge put together nothing bill. It's
1: a compromise bill that doesn't do anything for anyone.
0: And then for you at home, this also does mean that there will be no $1,200 check for a round two.
1: It does have some unemployment extensions, which is needed. why that hasn't even gone through on its own yet. I don't know. But if they pass a bill like this now, that would give Republicans ammunition once Biden is president to say, well, we can't pass anything. Because we already passed that bill in December. So, you know, we, we spent it. We got to think about saving money now. Everything is deficit. Now, I like, now, now we that, care about the deficit. Now right? that there's a, a Democrat president, now it's deficit. We can't spend any money.
0: But I would also say this is a strategic move at the same time as well as, so let's put it this way. Congress has to do something. The American people are pissed off beyond all belief because Congress isn't doing anything about COVID relief. Everyone wants COVID relief. Democrats want, Republicans want. I mean like the voters all want this, not necessarily the um politicians. So there's a ton of pressure on both sides to do something. Now, the Democrats have the power in the House. They can still point to the fact that they passed a 2.2 trillion dollar plan, but that messaging isn't working. So I'm assuming they're going to have to come down because they're going to have Deal with attacks from Republicans saying, "Well, look how the Democrats in the House of Representatives aren't actually doing anything; they're putting politics over the health of the people." Again, which we already talked about, is complete nonsense. But the American people lives in that reality. So, what do you do?
1: And they will always, like they always do, they'll blame Democrats if this doesn't pass. If this doesn't even get up for a vote, it's going to be, "See, the Democrats aren't doing anything; they don't want to pass any COVID relief, even though they've already passed two bills." that the Senate won't take up at all.
0: So I can personally see something like this passing both House and Senate just because they have to get something out. I do not look forward to how this bill is going to look. I think we're going to really short change the American people here. This should be so much more. I don't know why we're doing it like this. On top of the fact that, I mean, we, and we won't go into it, Jason, but like even in Wisconsin, where you had the Wisconsin GOP um, release their COVID plan, which force teachers and students to go back to school in January. So the fact that we're having very li- very limited funding here while still trying to expose ourselves to COVID is just gonna make matters worse. We're still gonna have the housing problem. We're still gonna have the evictions problem. We're still gonna have the unemployment problem. So what are we doing? The stock market or the stock market's already fine. So they can't say that we need to fix the economy because the economy is great for people who are who are well off before the pandemic hit.
1: If yeah, you measure the economy by the stock market.
0: Exactly. So it's the working people who's literally putting their lives on the line, you know, the essential workers who are taking all the hits here and taking all the risk. So I'm ready to be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I would much rather see the Cares Act be brought up in Congress for a vote. This one does not do nearly enough. And again, I feel if they pass this, that's going to give them leverage to later say they can't pass another bill when this does not have I mean, the best thing it does is give $300 extra unemployment insurance for, like, 18 weeks, which is nothing. No, it's not enough. And that's the best you get out of this bill.
0: Yeah. And even with the $288 billion for small businesses with this bill, you still have the issue of oversight because Steve Mnuchin is just going to let people run rampant with this stuff. Again. So I'm not looking forward to this. I'm urging all of you to not get your hopes up either.
1: In our next story... Bill Barr is uh, no longer Trump's favorite person in the Department of Justice. He's a rhino now, right? And that, Is it, that how this goes? Yeah, always. Yep. And that comes from an interview he did with the AP, where he said that the U.S. attorneys and FBI agents, under his watch, have been working to follow up on specific complaints and information they've received about voter fraud, but, quote, to date we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. So immediately, Bill Barr is part of the deep state. He's working with the FBI leadership to destroy Trump's... How
0: dare he? (laughs) I think this is literally like the one good thing I've seen him do in this position.
1: It's the first time I've seen him tell the truth. Right. I don't know what changed for him that he decided to say this. This is like, the drugs are wearing off and he had like a moment of clarity or what was going on? Cause he could have always said something like this. This was always the truth for weeks. Now the election was a month ago and he's stuck to the widespread fraud, stole the election. And then all of a sudden in this interview, yeah, there's really no evidence that there was any kind of widespread fraud and no way that the election should be overturned. When did that happen? I agree with him, but I don't know when he decided to see reality on this one.
0: And of course, the Trump campaign immediately put out a statement right after this article um, went public. And I just want to read it for you here. Quote, with all due respect to the attorney general, there hasn't been any semblance of a Department of Justice investigation. We have gathered ample evidence of illegal voting in at least six states, which they have not examined. Remember, these are all the Lawsuits they also lost because of the same lack of evidence. We have many witnesses swearing under oath they saw crimes being committed in connection with voter fraud. Affidavits are not necessarily proof of evidence or of anything. As far as we know, not a single one has been interviewed by the DOJ. The Justice Department also hasn't audited any voting machines or used their subpoena powers to determine the truth. The truth of what? Who knows? Screw you. Nonetheless, we will continue our pursuit of the truth. Again, truth of what? Who knows? Screw you. Through the judicial system and state legislators, and continue toward the Constitution's mandate in enduring, or sorry, and ensuring that every legal vote is counted and every illegal vote is not. Again, with the greatest respect to the Attorney General, his opinion appears to be without any knowledge or investigation of the substantial irregularities and evidence of systemic fraud by your favorite attorney, Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis.
1: You know, there's only a couple cases that I've heard of where people are being prosecuted for voter fraud. And in both of those cases, they're actually Trump voters. Literally. That's the truth. If there, I'm sure there are Biden voters that did something illegal at some point. There's 80 million votes in Biden's favor. The odds are somebody's got to have done something. But again, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. It's going to be one person or. Maybe a handful of people.
0: But again, like they keep going to these very generic and vapid like accusations, right? So like you have things like we have many witnesses swearing under oath they saw crimes being committed. No, you don't. (laughs) You literally don't. And even then
1: Yeah, you can that's public record. We can all read the affidavits, right? They're all just nonsense.
0: Well, and affidavits in themselves are not necessarily evidence of fraud. You can say someone saw something, that's great, but that doesn't actually mean that anything actually happened.
1: It's all like, yeah, this person was being mean to me.
0: Well, and then even then, the Justice Department hasn't audited any voting machines? For what? Was this more of the Dominion? Dominion, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the rebellion, Bill Barr.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as Chuck Schumer said, I'm sure he'll be fired soon.
0: I'd be still happy to see Bill Barr fired,
1: even if it's... He deserves to be
0: fired, that's for sure. But even if it's just a stupid for spite thing... I don't even care. I would just love to see him publicly fired and humiliated. He deserves it. But what the Justice Department has been doing was investigating a possible bribery for pardon scheme. This is interesting. As of right now, the Justice Department is investigating a possible secret scheme involving a bribe in exchange for a presidential pardon, according to a court document unsealed Tuesday. I really don't know what to think about this.
1: I hear it's fake news. Where'd you hear that? Donald Trump's the, tweet. up
0: president.
1: this really weird twitter account called at real donald trump i like his tweet part of investigation is fake news that's it i like how he capitalizes fake news like it's a brand
0: i hate i hate i freaking hate his random capitalization so much it makes me so much anger than i wanted to
1: so we don't know who was trying to bribe government officials no not yet because their names are being withheld the documents say that they were lobbying senior White House officials to try to secure clemency for a third individual whose name is also blacked out. They should have just been friends with Trump to begin with, and then he would have just pardoned them like Flynn and Stone. Don't they know how this works? Oh my god. You just have to go on Fox News and say that Trump is right about everything, and you'll get pardoned. They could have saved some money.
0: And according to NPR, the related bribery conspiracy allegedly involved the offer of a, quote, substantial political contribution in exchange for a presidential pardon or reprieve.
1: Honestly, this just seems like politics to me. I feel like this has been done in every presidency probably since the beginning of our country.
0: Well, that's why I was kind of like, I don't really know what to think about. This is like the most mundane bit of corruption. (laughs) I mean, like, what are we expecting at this point? This is nothing new.
1: I hope it's Aunt Becky. Because she's in jail right now, right? For that whole trying to bribe uh colleges to let her daughter in. <laughs> so I, I kinda want this to be more from that story.
0: That'd be amazing.
1: Lori Laughlin, I believe.
0: But we'll keep tabs on this story and we'll update you once we find out more information.
1: If we find out more information. Also true. It's all fake news. And we have the best sources.
0: Now, Jason. <laughs> when we talked about before in previous episodes, how Republicans usually get the Democrats' opinion so blatantly incorrect. I love the fact that even now we have an article about how a GOP senator
1: got it so wrong that he contradicted himself. So Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri has claimed that Joe Biden's cabinet picks are a bunch of corporate liberals and warmongers, in which I'm kind of, I kind of agree with that. I mean, we're not he's not necessarily wrong, (laughs) (laughs) but as most Republicans did during the campaign, he also was on Tucker Carlson's show over the summer saying that the Democratic Party is in thrall to the Marxist left. So which
0: is it, Josh?
1: Yeah. Is Joe Biden a puppet of the socialist left part of the Democratic Party or is he a warmonger corporate Democrat?
0: And for the record, I absolutely love this article because it's so snarky. <laughs> so I would highly recommend just reading this Yahoo News article because they just let him have it. It's amazing.
1: And yeah, it just shows how they want to attack Democrats on both sides and basically use both extremes.
0: Well, this is what propaganda is, though. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be coherent. It doesn't have to be cohesive. It just needs to scare people or make them angry. That's it. It just talking points left and right over and over again to piss people off. And I do love this quote from um Jonathan Chait. Quote, Howley could have ignored the criticism. After all, it's not like his target audience is going to complain that he's attacked the Democrats in two mutually exclusive a ways. Because of course, Josh Howley can't let it go. But Howley, a quote, prep school kid with degrees from Stanford and Yale, who quote, still craves the respect of elites, evidently felt compelled to show that he... Is not just the glib demagogue mouthing slogans. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it.
1: So Holly's response to this.
0: Oh, it's great.
1: On Twitter was to say, let me explain this to you. Corporate <laughs> liberals are woke capitalists, which, okay, they're capitalists. They can't be Marxists whatever. The corporatists love critical race theory. That's like there the right's new boogeyman. Yeah.
0: Critical race theory.
1: Yeah. Because our country was built upon racism but you can't tell that to anybody because that's unpatriotic I don't know, whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean literally that's dystopian.
1: The corporatists love critical race theory and all the other warmed over Marxist garbage. Except warmed the parts about Marxist capitalism garbage. being yeah. the devil. <laughs> other than that. <laughs> they sell out working Americans and sneer at them at the same time. That's the new left with the new being left. new left being capitalized again, like it's a brand. <laughs> He's from the party of the working class, you know, the Ivy League rich kid. Well oh, just say the guy who goes to Stanford and Yale. <laughs> he knows what the working class needs.
0: I want to know what warmed over Marxist garbage is. What is that even supposed to mean?
1: I don't know. I don't understand how Does he mean like watered down? Is that the uh, phrase he's looking for? I don't I never understood why like social justice meant communist. But it does to the like to these people. Right. Like anytime you try to give like civil rights. Well, that's communism.
0: Yeah. Well, and there are actually even pictures in history showing that back in the 1960s, it does say civil rights is communism. So they even this is something they've been doing for decades now. This is nothing new. This is just more like you said, Republican boogeymen who are just being used to scare people over and over again.
1: I wonder if they were there during the Declaration of Independence and they're like. All men are created equal. Shut up, commie. That's it's built in. Like we don't live up to it, but that language is built into our constitution. That again, these people worship, but they don't realize that, or they somehow have some kind of cognitive dissonance where they're able to get around it. I, I don't know. Some of the few things that are good about the ideals of this country, the ones that are actually things that we should work towards. Those they reject. But yeah, I mean, we've been saying this from the start.
0: Right. Well, and this is, I want to make something very clear too. I think corporate wokeism is a real issue where you have brands that take over actual civil rights movements and kind of make it their own and pretend that they were the leaders all along.
1: But they are not leftist Marxists. No, not at all. They're
0: the farthest thing from. When McDonald's started putting rainbows on their fries, they weren't leading the way. They didn't give a rip about LGBT rights. They just wanted to follow the trend It's marketing. Yeah, they they did it because they wanted to brand themselves to get more um, attention and advertising for people to buy their products. That's all it was. It's the same thing. Now we see brands left and right start saying, yeah, we support Black Lives Matter. They only did it when they knew it was safe. So the fact that these people are finally coming out for it, that doesn't make them woke. And for record, I hate the term woke anyway. But. That doesn't make them any type of
1: heroes in our way. They did it when it was safe. Corporations and capitalism are not compatible with Marxism. No,
0: they, they hate Marxists by definition.
1: Yeah, if you're a corporation, you would be against communism because you wouldn't exist in a communist world.
0: But this is just more of those right wing talking points where they talk about it's not Marxism in a way that they try to actually use the word correctly shocker from the party who constantly tries to tell us that we're changing the definitions of words they're using it in the sense of like a cultural marxism and now that and that's a stupid that was the
1: last boogeyman before critical race theory
0: but this is basically the same thing though like they're using in that context
1: also postmodernism was the first one
0: right and the whole idea comes from the fact that we are trying to make structural change happen in this country we're trying to make a complete revamping of how our people views the world, which is a good thing. We are learning as a society. That is good. Being more educated doesn't mean it's bad, but you have people who are afraid of change and who don't want to change. We start throwing out things like Marxist, socialist, communist as any kind of way to stop their thinking process, which actually is a technique we'll get into in the main segment.
1: Left wing, we're going left wing all the way.
0: Is Trump actually a cult leader? What do you think?
1: At the risk of spoiling my views on this whole segment here, I would say no. I don't think there's enough personal control, like control of people's personal lives, to qualify as a cult. I think he's an authoritarian. And I think all authoritarian dictators, which is what he wants to be, have cult-like aspects to them, but I think at least the definition of a cult that I would choose, there would have to be a lot more personal like control over individuals.
0: Okay. Well, I think that's a good jumping off point for us because if we're going to talk about whether or not Trump is a cult leader, we need to define what a cult even is. And when people think of the word cult, it's not like they think of just anything that's ambiguous. They have a very... Hard set picture in their minds. At least I would assume they would. When you think of cult, you usually think of like I almost said Jamestown, Jonestown. <laughs> I mean, for all we know, Jamestown could have been a bunch of big people <laughs> cults too. Who knows? It was back in that time. But like the Jonestown massacre. Um, when you talk about Scientology, like those types of really extreme and well known groups of super high control authoritarian figures, who just has a bunch of horror stories that go along with them.
1: Branch Davidians, right. The, uh, with the Marshall Applewhite, what were they? Uh, I remember their logo looked like the Packers logo. Uh, Heaven's Gate. Oh, yes. Heaven's yes. Gate, yes. that's what it was.
0: So let's start with what a cult is. Um, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the definition of cult has two main ones. There's also a couple other ones that we won't really need to get into, but they're just more generic definitions to help fill a couple gaps. But the ones I want to look at right now are, number one, a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. Also, it's body of adherence. So, for example, any group that just has a weird set of beliefs counter to general mainstream ideas. So you may things may see things like the voodoo cult, the satanic cult. Those are examples listed in Webster's Dictionary, which kind of annoys me. Like, I wish they put a little bit more, a couple of Christian cults in there, too. But whatever. Fine. Well, you can say things like Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, extreme... I can't remember what the...
1: The FLDS. Thank you. I
0: was going to say, I can't remember what the extreme Mormons were. Yeah, the FLDS. Those are all very high control ideas of what religious cults are. However, it's not just religion that has cults. And that's something we need to understand as well. There's a really misunderstood definition, which is the second definition, which is simply put, a great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or a work such as like a film or a book. So a cult does not have to be religious in any sense, uh, and one does not have to be crazy to even be, or previously unhinged, to be in a cult or to join a cult. So I want to go into, and I want to make sure I have my sources out for you guys right away. The two main sources that we're going to talk about usually are actually from Dr. Stephen Hazen, which is his book, Combating Cult Mind Control and the Cult of Trump. Um, Dr. Stephen Hazen is a fantastic author and presenter and cult psychologist who basically has been studying cults all his life since he was um, escaped his cult, which was the Moonies
1: cult, or the Sun Young Moon cult. Korean, right? South Korea? Uh,
0: yes, I believe so. It was, it was Korean, but it was also very like American when it was here too.
1: Yeah, it was big here. I know yes. that.
0: So I'll be quoting from his books a lot. So just as a heads up, I'll link those two books in the show notes. I highly recommend checking them out either in audiobook format or reading them. They're just fantastic reads on their own. So Dr. Hasen puts cults into four different groups. He has religious cults, which is what we talked about before, and those are just cults that focus on some kind of religious dogma. You know, those were, like they said, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, FLDS. Then you have political cults, the groups that gather around a particular political ideology. Um, Those who are usually seen as, like, fringe or extremist types of groups. Maybe like a lot of, like, separatist groups are considered these types of cults. You have the Aryan Brotherhood, which are considered. A lot of neo-Nazi groups are considered on political cults,
1: I would definitely say the Proud Boys currently. The
0: Proud Boys could be a one as well, and if Trump and Trumpism or Trump supporters were called, they'd fit into this. The idea that they centered around a very fringe or extreme ideology that changes the way people think about politics in general. You and on. yeah, that's another great example. Mm-hmm. The third is psychotherapy and educational cults. You may see these as um, the typical group meetings that you may find a friend bring you to, where It's like a weird self-help session or something like that. Or they try to do something in a wooey type of way. Um, Usually these groups host these meetings in, in hotels and things like that to give you some kind of enlightening experience. And then those groups will then use basic manipulation techniques and mind control techniques to suck people into more purchasing or purchasing further courses to achieve that type of euphoria again.
1: Breatharians springs to mind.
0: I wouldn't say breatharians in themselves would be a cult. I mean, they very well could organized into a cult. Like,
1: there are some leaders of yes. that movement that I feel
0: that now that I could see like and for those who don't know breatharians are the, those who believe that they can live off of just air
1: and breathing. sunlight usually. Yeah. Yep.
0: And the last is commercial cults. These are destructive companies that prey on one's desire for wealth. You may know these as multi-level marketing schemes like Amway. I think what where are some other ones that are really popular? I think there's like a Herbalife is I think is one as well. Mary Kay.
1: Mona V, I think. I don't even is know what that one, one is. It's like a acai berry juice thing. Okay, Nexium is a big one right now with that HBO show, The Vow, which maybe we'll cover in the future. Yeah, love it's on to, my
0: list. I'd love to do that. So now, what are actually the differences between cults and groups? Because when we talk about having a cult, like, could you have a cult based around sports or based around any type of hobby? Could you be enthusiastic or something about something, or maybe even obsessed about something? Are you then in a cult? Well, that's kind of up in the air, and it's gray because cults can usually take on many different types of forms, as we saw from the different examples above. You can have a completely church-based one or just a simple company. So it usually comes down to a couple of different questions, and these are not the actual, like, For question test or anything. These are just a couple questions that I came up with that show whether or not a cult actually is harmful or not. So number one, is the group's practices destructive to its members? That's where a lot of it comes down to, where if you have a big enthusiasm about something, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's addicting to such a point where you cannot function without it, that's harmful to you. Which then goes into my next question. Number two, does the group use deceptive recruiting practices? Obviously, if the group is lying about what they're doing, most cults will have what they'll call an insider versus outsider theology or an insider versus outsider doctrine. Um, Usually the outsider stuff is more tame and mundane. A great example of this is actually the Scientology cult, where you'll see the outside of it usually brought down to just the thetans. Make sure I get this re- correct, Jason, because I can't remember about the Scientologists. But yeah, usually it just comes down to self-help therapy, and then just exposing some weird, thetan level things. And then once you get into the insider, the higher levels of the cult, you get into the whole idea of oh, uh, what's the what's the guy
1: Lord Zenu? Yeah,
0: Lord Zenu coming to the um, space through dropping atomic bombs on the Earth or
1: something, and in volcanoes. Yeah. So, but that's not, and they will tell you if you ask them. A current in member Scientologist, if you ask them that's what they teach, they will say no.
0: Number three, are the members of the group able to leave of their own fruition? This is a big one and it can get really complicated because a lot of cults will say you're free to leave, but it's not necessarily true. And then number four, is there an authoritarian structure or are there checks and balances in the group? Usually, when it comes to cults and cult like entities, there's a definite top down type of structure where It here comes from some kind of single entity that shows all of what morality and ethics should be. And they have the final say in absolutely everything. And
1: the rules constantly change based on what they want.
0: Yes. So now that we know what a cult is, we need to know how a cult influences you. And something that I think Stephen Haston does pretty well, but I may even disagree with a little bit, is that he uses the term mind control. Now, when you think of mind control, Jason, what do you think of
1: uh, old cheesy fifties movies where they have a pocket watch and they swing it back and forth, and you see a swirly image, and then you do whatever the person says. The hypnosis, yeah the the layman's understanding of like stage hypnosis.
0: So then, what do you think brainwashing means?
1: That you think of more subtle means propaganda that over time will lead you to think a certain way.
0: And that's actually kind of why I disagree with him, because he actually reverses the two, where he says, according to Dr. Hasen, um, brainwashing is when someone knows they are in the hands of an enemy who is attempting to turn them. And actually, the term was coined after the Korean War to describe how captured American soldiers were found to be completely turned in their values. Mind control is a little bit more subtle, and usually the victim doesn't know if they're actually being manipulated and actually the manipulator or the influencer is usually seen as a friend or a peer or someone they trust. So he kind of takes it in reverse of what you said, Jason. And now let's put it this way. That doesn't mean you're necessarily wrong because these, Oh, I'm never wrong. Okay. Sounds good. Cult leader. (laughs) And to be honest, I'm not a big fan of using mind control exactly for that connotation as well, where people think mind control is this big, weird, almost sci-fi-esque thing.
1: Something outside of yourself that forces you to obey.
0: The phrase I do love, which Dr. Hasten also uses a lot, is the term undue influence. I think that's what we should be using no matter what. Where undue influence is just the idea of using psychological manipulation tactics to control unwilling followers. Um, We are all susceptible to these undue influence practices and tactics because we're all people. We have natural instincts. We have limitations on our psychology. We talked about this before with social media stuff where social media developers usually do little types of things to make sure we stay on those apps. It's because we're able and easy to manipulate. That's it.
1: Oh, sorry. I was on my phone. What what are we doing?
0: (laughs) Shut up. Pay attention. And this brings me to Dr. Hayson's bite model. This is the model that he uses to describe the influencing effects of what cults do upon their members and new recruits. BITE stands for behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And we're going to quickly go through all of those as well. For behavior control, um, that is the regulation of an individual's physical reality it includes control of their environment and their day-to-day life. For information control, it's about controlling the information that individuals receive. A quote from Dr. Haston's book, Combating Cult Mind Control, deny a person the information they require to make sound judgments, and they will become incapable of doing so. It also includes using deceptive tactics like withholding information, outright lying, and distorting existing information and sources. Um, Usually, they only allow information from approved sources as well. They consider using those sources that agree with them as the quote-unquote truth. You may have heard this type of idea before. You must understand the truth of the matter when it comes to cult-like groups. Any sources that go against the narrative are seen as a threat to that quote-unquote truth, and those who share those sources are seen as enemies. Next, we have thought control, which is indoctrinating members so thoroughly that they actually internalize the group doctrine or incorporate a new language system and use thought-stopping techniques to keep their mind centered or focused. The idea of not allowing doubt of cult leadership is a common thought in this type of technique. So, for example, the cult leader cannot be wrong by definition. Therefore, everything the leader tells me must be true. And those who say the leader is wrong must be either incorrect or lying to me. And in that way, the person will then use that type of loaded language to stop themselves because they already know by definition they have this worldview that's very narrowed. And you can't escape from that narrow worldview. Um, Actually, in the cult that I used to be a part of, they used a lot of loaded language like you must put your faith and trust in God and fight for our real truth with a capital T and always, quote, fight for your faith. Because they always attributed doubt to not fighting for your faith. So they put the burden on the person to make sure that they actually stopped themselves from thinking critically about the claims being given. And finally, we have emotional control, which is the idea of manipulating the individual's feelings and emotions to narrow them even further. It has to be an all-or-nothing type of feeling. You feel wonderful as this chosen member of some special group, feeling such joy that no one else literally can feel. You feel unique. You feel,
1: like I said, special. Love bombing is a term I hear all the time about this. With new members come into a group. There, everyone welcomes them and everybody's your best friend and there's no judgment. Everybody's happy. It's all great in the beginning.
0: Exactly. Actually, um, Dr. Haston uses in his book, I remember an example, I think it was from his own Mooney's called, where they had strategies where you would actually separate groups of people. So say like two people came in with a spouse, they would separate them and have strategic timing to basically lure them into these love bombing sessions. And that's how you get them more into the group. Or you are this broken, sinful person who needs to immediately repent for their wicked ways. Also known
1: as Catholicism.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Guilt is often used by cults to keep members in. So, for example, letting down God, letting down one's family, letting down a highly respected individual in that person's life, whether it's the cult leader or someone in the church or group. And also fear is used. The idea of hell. The fear of shunning and other consequences if one leaves the group are very common.
1: So now that you've gone through the bite model, let's go back to where you said that you were in a cult. Yes. Not going to let that go by without having you explain.
0: Well, it's common stuff.
1: Isn't everyone part of cults?
0: <laughs> That's a phase. We all do it, right?
1: What cult were you in, Joe?
0: <laughs> I was in the Iglesia Ni Cristo cult. tight. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> How do I respond to that? <laughs>
0: What is that? The Iglesia Ni Cristo is actually translated to the Church of Christ in Tagalog. It's Think of it similar to Jehovah's Witnesses, but for Filipinos. And I actually mean that quite literally. It was a Filipino cult that started obviously in the Philippines in 1914 and started going branching out around the world, including the United States, where we have one um, church of that group here in Wisconsin.
1: And how did you get involved?
0: I had a great relationship with someone who is now an ex.
1: Well, I guess that was the consequences of you leaving.
0: Correct. And the big thing is I have examples of all these in the bite model from my former group. And actually I read this book to almost understand what happened to me in this group after I left.
1: So were you really into the teachings of this group? Were you really there for the girl? Um, I was mostly there for
0: the girl. However, I did start to buy into it a little bit. I never got super into it, but those feelings deep down were there. I was definitely afraid of hell. I was definitely afraid of letting down um, elders. Well, they are not called elders, but respected people of the church, or in their case, the church administration. I was afraid of hurting people close to me who are my friends and my ex's family, because what they did was they were really good at emotional control. That was kind of their best thing. The way they did emotional control was consequences for an individual mean or meant consequences for an entire family. So, if a son or daughter received consequences from the church, the entire family did. Which, if the child left the church, something bad would happen to the parents. And this put a ton of guilt and a ton of fear into its members all the time. So, the fact that I eventually ended up leaving. Actually, we didn't break off our relationship right away, but that put a ton of strain on our relationship because the idea that my ex was with such a sinner and wicked person who is now an enemy of the church would end up resulting in her losing her family to be with me.
1: It's a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. I mean, but this is what cults do. They can manipulate and control you. They're horrible. I hate them.
1: So other than having someone's romantic interest being a member of a cult, how else do cult leaders indoctrinate people?
0: You may have heard of Kurt Levine's change model. It's pretty simple. It's a three-step process of how to change an organization or groups of you know within an organization. Three simple steps, including unfreezing, changing, and refreezing. The idea is if you have a bad behavior, you will then unfreeze that behavior by making some change happen, instilling a new change, and then actually trying to create a habit which is, quote, refreezing that change to make sure that they reinforce it for future use so you don't have to constantly micromanage it. I was actually taught about this model in school because it's a very common change model to be used. It's used in management groups and companies all throughout the world. Edgar Schein actually used this exact model to talk about cult indoctrination, where he used unfreezing as a way of breaking down the individual itself as opposed to the behavior Changing, which would then equal the indoctrination process of the cult. And then refreezing, which is the process of building up and reinforcing the new identity of the individual. And there are a bunch of different ways you can do this. Um, For example, talking about the behavior control. In Dr. Haston's book, The Cult of Trump, he references Omarosa Manigault Newman's reports about how she would work for Trump and she actually had to change her sleeping schedule because of how Trump would make her work all hours throughout the night and actually changed her diet to eating a lot more fast food because Trump would constantly ask her to eat fast food with him. Sexy. (laughs) The other thing cults do is give disorienting and contradicting messages. Um, There's a quote, the more you try to understand it, the less you'll understand.
1: Ah, so it's like quantum mechanics.
0: Exactly. You see Deepak Chotra doing this crap all the time. (laughs) Another good example of that is like saying something horrible and grotesque in a very calm and happy tone. So, for example, when you talk to someone who may be like a neo-Nazi, for example, they can describe themselves as perfectly loving people who just hates Jews and black people.
1: They just want to protect their white family.
0: And they'll say it in a very happy tone, sometimes even with a smile on their face. Which will then actually disarm the person. Actually, I use this type of manipulation technique all the time when I talk to people who disagree with me, where if I actually come off as excited or smiling or happy, it actually breaks down the barriers of the individual, even though I'm saying something completely contradictory to what they're saying or what they already believe. So then this idea of creating disorienting messages then disrupts the person's balance or mental balance at least and makes them more vulnerable to suggestion like we talked about before. Um another good example of that is gaslighting, which I think we talked about in previous episodes, but if we haven't, we'll talk about just a little bit here, where gaslighting is a psychological term that makes people question their own realities.
1: Yeah, you tell them what they think they know is wrong.
0: Exactly. And then just reinforce that idea over and over again. Which brings me to my next point of how cult leaders indoctrinate you. Repeat, repeat, repeat. The more you repeat a message... Lock
1: her up. Lock her up. Yeah.
0: I mean, literally. Or the idea, like you said before, fake news, crooked Hillary. And actually, this is what people will use all the time. The idea of repetition or using things that are enacting some kind of emotional response over and over again will instill that in people, whether you like it or not. Even if you don't like the idea of Crooked Hillary or any other nicknames, it was like Shifty Shift or Lion Ted, you remembered those things. Um, actually, a good example for Trump as well is when he would say that Mexico would pay for all the wall over and over and over again, then he would deny that he would ever say it. Then he would say that Mexico will pay for the wall, but in a new context. See, this time it's with this incredible deal we made. So that's how they're actually going to pay for it. Then with Trump saying this in venues of large crowds of people nodding, newcomers will then be more inclined to adapt and agree to the message, even if they already know that it's complete nonsense or completely goes against what was said before.
1: All of those people can't be wrong.
0: Pretty much. cults will also give you the illusion of choice, which we kind of talked about before. This is why the idea of Someone leaving at their own fruition is a little bit weird and gray. So cults will often say things like, you are free to leave, but you'll regret it for your entire life. And then you can add some kind of vague threat of damnation or losing a loved one or whatever it may be.
1: They usually lose their entire support system.
0: Right. So my cult did that exact same thing where I was told, well, I can leave whenever I want, you know, and I can come back once I find the truth. But while I'm gone, everyone's going to hate me.
1: You see this in Scientology with the fair game tactics they use. They declare anyone who leaves a suppressive person. Their family can't have any contact with them. They are essentially shunned.
0: And Jehovah's Witnesses will also say people are free to leave too, but they just have to deal with the consequences of shunning from their family. And actually, emotionally abusive spouses will do something similar by saying things like, you can leave me if you want, but you'll never be as happy as you were with me. Or you'll never find someone as good as me or you'll never be happy again or you're going to die alone and just give those very vague threats to make sure that the person stays with them. Next, we have social pressures, which we kind of again talked a little bit more about in the shunning stuff. But I do remember a time when I was in college, I was in my fraternity's recruiting team trying to get people to join my fraternity and the recruitment chair said, and I quote, a man will go where he has the most friends. And I think there's some truth behind that. We are very social creatures by nature and the idea that we will go where we feel socially accepted doesn't seem that crazy. However, cults can use this and twist it to further their own interests. This is actually a Bible verse that my cult always quoted at me saying, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household, which it basically turns someone's own family against them and saying that we are your new family. So don't let us you know, down or something like that. And we already talked about the idea of shunning and things like that and then even so about demonizing the apostates to making sure that once you leave, you're never forgiven.
1: You talk about them one day when they're a member of the cult, they're a saint, and then the day they leave, you got to turn on them, and now nothing they ever did was good. You constantly demonize them, essentially. Well, and
0: that's what happened to me, too, where um, my ex's family loved me. They thought I was literally a blessing of God. And then the minute I turned... Or I said, I wasn't interested in um, this church anymore. They immediately thought I was of the devil within, I said, minutes of me telling them this and they hated me and they wanted nothing to do with me since I uttered the sentence. It's very quick, a very us against them type of mentality. And it all comes down to the idea of once you're fully susceptible to manipulation, you then refreeze that new identity, which we talked about before. Which is the idea of hating your old self and hating anyone who related to that old self. You may hear a lot of cults and even churches talk about this idea of need to be reborn because you are full of sin, right? You have to give away your wicked ways and you are better now than what you were before. And thus, you are creating a new identity of a person.
1: Is kind of a biblical basis for that, too. Remember... Some story about uh, Jesus's family coming to visit him and his followers saying, oh, Jesus, your family's here to come see you. And his response was, you're my family now. And that kind of fits in with that, you know, shun your old life. The cult is your only existence. That's where you belong.
0: So now what I want to do is I actually want to go through some of those um, bite model categories and dive into how Trump actually fits into those things. where. Jason, you are correct that the idea of Trump and Trumpism isn't necessarily a cult in the most authoritarian sense or in that way we are talking about before, which is a very controlled group. However, the idea that Trump does what he can to misinform and control his followers is extremely cult-like. So even if you don't say that Trump and Trumpism is a cult or a cult leader, at the very least, it's an extremely authoritarian, cult-like following, if that makes sense.
1: He is definitely a messianic figure. Yes, to his supporters.
0: So let's quickly go through some of the ways that Trump makes himself a cult leader. It's all about creating and disorienting the individual, right? We talk about the idea of gaslighting and lying the entire time. I mean, even even from the first day of his presidency with it, which was the inauguration, he lied about his crowd size, which shocked everyone. And the idea Remember
1: when that was news?
0: <laughs> right, no kidding. Remember when that was the worst of it? Yeah. So actually going back to that bite model, this is what we would call behavior control, which is making us adapt to a new normal, which is just the idea that we are now becoming used to the idea of having lies thrown at us all the time or having a new scandal every single day. It's a very jarring experience for a lot of us, or at least it was, and we didn't know how to really handle it until it just became normal for us because we couldn't handle the cognitive dissonance anymore. The emotional control should be the easiest one to think about. I mean, you said it before, fake news. The idea that he has a list of approved news sources, which is still ever changing because, I mean, we'll get into the thought control in a little bit, but the idea that he is the ultimate authority of truth forces people to basically redo the idea or reimagine the idea of what they consider truth to be from trusted sources. So the idea that the entire media who calls him out they're all fake news. They're all liars. They're all corrupt. They're all out to get them. It's the deep state. Anything you could think of.
1: And now that's even extended to Fox. Right. I was just going to say that too in a little bit.
0: So that's a pretty common one. And then the fact that they're constantly pathologically lying over and over and over again, which is a trait you'll commonly see in a lot of cult leaders. Then going on to thought control, it's the idea that, again, you cannot doubt the authority of the leadership or because you create such a standard that, There are thought-stopping techniques in place to make sure that you cannot doubt what's going on in front of you. So because Trump changes his mind all the time, you just have to assume that's what it is. Or you have to put some kind of roadblocks in your way to make sure that you deal with the cognitive dissonance. You see a lot of Republicans even doing this where you have him say, well, he's not a great man. I've heard even people say, well, God uses imperfect people in times of need.
1: He's not the Messiah we wanted. But he's the Messiah we deserve.
0: But he's also the ultimate arbiter of truth at the same time. And you hear them say it's like, or him himself saying this and making himself the savior. Usually you hear something along the lines of, quote, nobody knows more about blank more than I do. You know, I know our complex tax laws better than anyone who has ever run for president, and I'm the only one who can fix them. Trump tweet from October 2nd, 2016, or nobody has done as much in their first two years of their presidency. Nobody, nobody, which is a rally speech from November 26th, 2018. And even then, his famous, I am the chosen one, <laughs> quote, when he was standing outside the helicopter or was it an airplane? I can't remember which one it was, who cares? where he was literally saying, I'm the chosen one to do all this type of stuff. He's making himself the only savior for these people and making himself the solutions to problems that he creates. And then finally, with emotional control, he then plays on guilt and fears to wind up his followers. The fear of what? Hell, Democrats, immigrants, brown people, Marxists. We talked about Marxists and communists before. Anything he can do and any boogeyman he can create to rally his base To further agree with him to do what he wants them to do. And why would he do it? Well, it's because he's a narcissist. There's actually a really good book called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, where I think a group of 27 um, Yale psychologists, I want to say, don't quote me on that particular, actually wrote down what they were fearing and worrying about what they saw with Donald Trump in his case of presidency and worrying about his mental state. They never officially diagnosed him with narcissism, but the idea that there was so much. Pathological narcissism and pathological lying, paranoia, uh, Machiavellianism really scared these people. Um, something they would even call malignant narcissism, which is pathological narcissism combined with other psychopathological traits. So, just even a couple of examples that Dr. Craig Melkin even compares it to, which is Hitler, Putin, and Kim Jong un, who are all considered malignant narcissists. And Trump is right up there with them because at the end of the day, it's only about him and what he needs. And you'll see us in cult leaders all the time. The idea of having psychopathic and Machiavellian types of tendencies where they only care about manipulating people to gain power and what is best serving for them at that
1: time. Also, two of Trump's best friends right there.
0: I mean, yeah. (laughs) Now, I want you to understand here, you are more susceptible to this type of stuff than you may think. And especially the people of the United States is more susceptible to cult-like thinking than you may ever
1: Think. i always thought around 2012 that i could have created a doomsday cult and done pretty well if i was willing to just not have any ethics or morals because there was so much superstitious nonsense around you know oh it's the end of-, even though it was so stupid and and obvious so many people were willing to believe it i think you could uh, and i know there was one i saw they were driving around in a bus they gave away all their possessions my plan Was to tell everybody that they needed to give everything to the church, whatever, group, in order to stop the end of the world. See, I had a plan knowing that, you know, that wasn't wasn't going to happen. Right. And and I was trying to minimize
0: backlash. Yeah, like the self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing.
1: Right. So you give everything away, you sacrifice in order to save the world. And then they would be heroes at the end of it, but I would have all their stuff. That That was kind of the plan. I didn't go through with it. I should have. But what are you going to do?
0: Well, and it all comes down to the fact that people, including you and I, Jason, are not as rational as we want to be. And that's what makes the United States so perfect right now to be manipulated. So talking about a couple of those things, rapid change, where as a country right now, we are dealing with constant change over and over and over again on many different fronts. We Literally cannot keep up with this mass amount of information that's happening. It's mentally draining. So for goodness sakes, you have people who know absolutely nothing about politics because they care more about something that's enjoyable to them or even have things like COVID fatigue because they can't stand the constant amount of news over COVID. It's a real thing and it's okay and it's natural, but just be aware that, that those are types of limitations that actually make us more vulnerable. We also have a lack of trust in institutions in this country. There's a big hate for government politicians right now, and that happened way earlier before Donald Trump. There's a general distrust for authority, too, especially why you're seeing governments trying to enact various policies, you know, like mask mandates.
1: I remember in the QAnon episode, we talked about that lady that was into QAnon because she got upset about the. 2008 recession and how the government bailed out all the big banks and didn't do anything for working class Americans.
0: Correct. I mean, so when you have someone who thinks they're not being looked out for, they're going to lose trust in that. And then you have this whole idea of libertarian free will and all that crap, but fine. Then you also have the idea of social media, which we already talked about in previous episodes, where everyone can have a platform. There are absolutely no gatekeepers at all. And it makes it a lot easier to fall into these social bubbles. Wink, wink fall into our social bubble. We're the best social bubble.
1: Nobody has a social bubble like our social bubble. Everybody (laughs) says so.
0: And just to hit this point home even further, there are even experiments that were done to show how irrational people usually are. You may have heard of the Ash Conformity Experiment, which you had one person being placed into a room with a bunch of different actors, and the entire room was shown pictures of two lines, and they were supposed to say which one was longer. All the actors and actresses agreed upon before the meeting happened which lines they were going to say were longer and sometimes they were wrong intentionally. And 75% of the time, people did conform to what um, the group did say or what the group concluded. The other one you may hear about is the Milgram experiment. You may know about this one, Jason. Sure.
1: (laughs) All those Milgrams.
0: All the Milgrams. This is actually an experiment to look more into the idea of people following Nazi protocols when they were told to. Was there such a thing as An appeal to authority to do such heinous acts in Nazi Germany. So what the Milgram experiment did was actually put people in a lab setting saying that there was someone who was on the other side of a glass panel, which was in a separate room, and that the doctor, who was also an actor or an actress, would then ask that person random questions. If they got the question wrong, they were instructed to shock that person. Every time they got a question wrong, they would up the voltage of the shock. Now, there was no actual shocking of people happening. It was all being portrayed by actors.
1: However, the- I think I saw this documentary. It, it starred Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. they on Ghostbusters. You remember the beginning where he's shocking the crap out of that guy?
0: Oh, Jesus. I had no idea where you were going with this. I was so confused. But the whole point of the experiment was to show that after so many shocks, people were actually willing to put the voltage up to lethal doses because they were simply told to, where we have such a bias against authority figures in our own psychology that we will do even heinous acts under pressure.
1: So why are we talking about this now? Trump's going to be gone soon. Everything should go back to normal, right?
0: Well, no. The main reason why is because in a lot of successful cults, especially the large ones, they can still sustain and even thrive when the leader is gone. Mormons are the Church of Latter-day Saints, actually bragged about their church thriving after Joseph Smith died, and also about Brigham Young, too. My own cult did the exact same thing, where at their um, centennial or their hundred-year anniversary, they talked about how they had to be God's chosen church because how else would they have survived so long when after their initial leader died or their founder died?
1: The death of L. Ron Hubbard did not slow down the Church of Scientology. Exactly. There was actually a psychologist that I talked to
0: a couple of years ago whose work was defined as getting people out of cults. That's all she did. And even then, she had a 33% chance of success because that's how difficult it was. So this is what I mean when Trumpism is here to stay. The damage he did will be lasting, and we have to fight this tooth and nail. And the unfortunate part about this is that it's not easy. If there was a secret way of getting people out of cults, we would have been doing it already. Cults would be non-existent, but we see cults thriving all over the place because it's difficult. The best way to get people out of cults, though, is actually to be as kind and passive as possible while being as patient for them to go through their own processes. So when you're talking about getting people out of these cults or cult-like mindsets, you need to understand that their thinking goes much deeper than just being wrong about something you need to understand that there's a multitude of factors that go into their indoctrination or what sucked them into this type of thinking in the first place. So look back at the bite model and see what you can do to stop each one of those influences. For behavior control, there was a really good documentary called The Brainwashing of My Dad in 2016, where the only way they were actually able to get their dad from like watching Fox News over and over and over again and become this like right-wing crazy person was to literally take the remote away from the individual and Forced him to stop watching Fox News.
1: Look for that uh, interview that she did with our friend and former guest, Seth Andrews.
0: I, I highly recommend it. For information control, try to provide as much information as you can in a non threatening and open manner. Be open yourself. I always try to tell people I'm always open to having my mind changed, so let's talk about it. We're a team here, because that always goes back to the idea that if you are considered opposing, you must be an enemy. So try your best to be as friendly as possible. And watch your boundaries with the individual to make sure you're not you're not considered an enemy in any way. Thought control is a little bit more difficult when you think about it because eh, it's thought. Get it? I
1: think you should have put more thought into that one. Cha cha cha.
0: That simply just goes into more the same tactics of information control fighting, which is just try your best to broaden the person's worldview the best way you can. Simple exposure to new things is a great way to do that. When If people hate members of the LGBT community because they think they're wicked, sinful creatures, expose them to more LGBT people. And then finally, with emotional control, I mean, you may literally need to get them psychological help sometimes. It's If it's dug so deep, there's no way you're going to be able to do it just on a casual basis. However, there are things you can do, which is, like I said before, keep things happy, keep things positive, and show that there is no guilt or no fear of guilt if they change their mind about something. So that's a good thing, and it's nothing to be afraid of. This type of stuff takes a lot of time, and you have to be very careful with how you do it, otherwise you're going to risk actually doing what's called the backfire effect and
1: risk losing them forever. Roll a duct tape and a ball-peen hammer might be useful, too.
0: Perfect, just like that. So whether or not you think Trump's an actual cult leader or not, you need to understand the undue influence that Trump has caused, and that this type of stuff isn't going away anytime soon. Understand that cult-like thinking is much more prevalent than you'd like to think it is, even if we live in a supposedly rational or progressive society. Your crazy cousin isn't just crazy, they may be brainwashed. Your mom who keeps sending you conspiracy theories may not be stupid, she's just misunderstanding of what good probable sources are. So take your time, be patient, we have a long fight ahead of us, but you have to stay vigilant or is this stuff is going to get so much worse.
1: Well, we probably all have family members that are Trump supporters. It's not going to do you any good to tell them that they're in a cult. I know that. Just talk to them. Just have a conversation. Ask them why they like Trump, what they find helpful about his presidency, what they're afraid of with the Joe Biden presidency, and just start a conversation. I'm sure you'll find some common ground. And you can build from there and kind of begin giving them some different ideas. Show them that you're not a crazy person either. And I think that'll go a long way. Just because someone is a Trump supporter, I don't think necessarily that they are brainwashed. Uh, Unless maybe they sent you that Randy Quaid tweet, then they, they probably are. I think that literally is brainwashing. But do what you can. We're all people. Use the ball peen hammer if you have to.
0: But only if you have to. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other life chaos has to offer. (laughs) (laughs) All the other life chaos has to offer. That's it. That's 2020. Nope. Ow. I hit my hand. I mean, for goodness sakes, we constantly, uh, for goodness sakes, we have to, I
1: don't want to say this. So be good, for goodness sakes. (laughs)
0: Why don't you do the first question of that last one? Sure. It's the second, like, semi bullet point thing. The second semi. <laughs> now you, I- you confuse the shit <laughs> out of me. What do you want me the, to it's, ask? It's the first semi bullet point. The, if Trump is if gone. If Trump is gone. Yeah. Okay. Do
1: you like that? <laughs> first semi bullet point.
0: What the? Fuck? <laughs> you know, I know that all your bloopers are of me. <laughs> <laughs> they aren't.